As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Scott. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, three comic reviews, two seasons of a fan favorite at Netflix, and one punch man adds up to an entertaining show for you. From around the world of pop culture, you add up the entertainment, then you multiply by the awesome crew, and the final product is the kind of fun that anyone can co-sign. Grab your graphing calculators, because the Major Spoilers podcast puts the squares at the root of it all, and it's on the air. Welcome to issue 972 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Scott Johnson is back. Hey, Scott. Hey, it's nice to be back. How are you guys? It is so good to hear your voice. I mean, I get to hear your voice at least once a week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with, uh, look, I love coming on here because it's my, I don't know, I got I have a lot of comic friends, but this is the place where I get to really talk about it. So well, We like, are super glad to have you here. Yes, we are the super nerds, and we're going to bring you some super news. After two seasons of the lock, the lock and key kids of uh, them fighting evil in the uh, key house, the lock and key TV series on Netflix has announced the series is coming to an end with season three. Uh, Carlton Cuse and Meredith uh, Avril, who are the showrunners and the executive producers, said once we began working on the series, we felt three seasons was an ideal length to bring the story of the lock family and their key house adventures to a satisfying conclusion. As storytellers, we are grateful we had the opportunity to tell our version of Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez's incredible story exactly the way we wanted. We're keeping the magical keys, though, for our own personal use. The final season of the show should land on Netflix in the last half of this year. Um, if not in October, November range, my guess is it's going to happen in uh, the early half of of uh, 2023, like January, February. So. And I mean, three years is about the length of time you can get out of a cast of actual teenagers. Well, and you know, there's a couple of, there's a, the little boy Bodie was like 11 when they started. And I think now he's 26. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They've, they've had some delays obviously with COVID and other stuff. Um, Ashley, Uh Victoria Robinson actually uh, wrote up on this week's, did you hear about this? And she makes a valid point that most shows go about three seasons because after three seasons, it's time for contract negotiations and if uh, the um, if the sh- if the shows are doing really well, it means everybody's shelling out more money. And I want to say one of the girls in the show or one of the the actresses in the show is in that movie Coda, and oh, so yeah. that means big yeah. money, big money, big money. So maybe let's no just way. cancel this 
so we don't have to uh, to pay out a bunch more money. It's, uh, so, okay, admission time. I love the comic. In yep. fact, you're the one that introduced me to it yep. a year uh-huh. ago, and I was like super into it, loved every second of it. And when I heard about the show, I was like, oh, no way. I've not seen a single episode, partly because... Everyone I talk to, you included, tell me that it's not the same story. It's like it's, a different story. Yeah, it's, oh, it's it's same but different. And here's the thing. And I said this on the morning stream this week on Monday uh, when I show up on, on Scott and Brian's uh, wonderful show that you guys can go check out on the Frog Pants Network. Um, I think they made too many changes to it to where it didn't feel like a comic book adaptation. Yeah, I'm going to clarify that. I want to clarify that now because it's going to cut this uh, exact same issue is going to come up again later in the show. My biggest problem with the lock and key TV series is they took an R rated hard R rated comic mm-hmm. and they turned it into a, a very soft PG 13 TV series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They introduced new characters and new keys and they drastically changed a couple of, uh, storylines that really didn't in my mind, didn't jive with, with the comic book. So that was the first season I thought was fine, but I started the second season. I was halfway through the first episode and I was just like, you know, I don't really care anymore. Mm, yeah. uh, and kind of turned it off. So the thing, the thing that that really struck me through season one is that Lock and Key is a really un uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of a, an esoteric comic book series, and it does things that are absolutely unique and weird and crazy for comic books. But it feels like some of the changes that were made on the television side were made to echo the traditional expectation of quote unquote, a comic book story, mm-hmm. which actually blunted the parts of the story that I like the best. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love the actress playing Dodge, they took all the fangs out of that character yep. in season one. Had See, they, I, was worried, I was worried about it. It sounds like maybe I made the right decision. Cause yeah, that, I mean, you're not just, missing it was on dark anything. and Joe Hilly and, and, and like yeah. had a serial yes. killer to it and i was into that whole i'm really into that comic and i had they kept had they kept the fact that this is a joe hill son of stephen king vibe throughout the thing i think they probably would have been better at it but again they took a hard r and turned it into a soft pg-13 and that just eh, it it, as matthew said lost some of its bite so there you go one more season boys and girls and then you don't have to worry about it anymore matthew what else is uh brewing on the uh on the streaming networks Brew ha ha, ha ha. You can actually, once the lock and clee is done, theoretically, even with all of the shakeups going on at uh, WB and the Discovery Networks and the Warner Brothers, HBO Max is still working on an Aqualad series, which is apparently based on the graphic novel You Brought Me the Ocean. Uh, and that, of course, is going to be a one hour, this frightens me, dramedy uh, following Jackson Hyde. The uh, newest Aqualad, he's a gay teenager living in New Mexico. His uh, attraction to the water, even though he lives in the desert, and how he realizes, hey, the ocean may be something kind of cool. And then, of course, he discovers superpowers, including aquakinesis, which is a great power, and falling in love and doing all the thing and all of the stuff. And then there's nobody attached so far as writers go. But uh, Charlize Theron, is uh, one of the executive producers of this theoretical Aqualad series. I think when you have Charlize Theron who wants to push it forward, I think that you're going to see a lot of people um, excited about this. And so it'll probably get a green light, especially with the fact that on HBO Max, uh, you had Peacemaker, which was a fantastic Mm -hmm. show. You have uh, Young Justice, which is just this season, uh, Young Justice Phantoms, has just gone into some very different directions I wasn't expecting. 
Um, well, if you're worried that the happy about those directions or, or um, <laughs> so, so uh, Aqualad in, or he's Aquaman in uh, the season of young justice. He is gay. He's openly gay. Uh, and he has a, I don't know if they're married or just dating, uh, but they deal a lot. When you go into Atlantis, they deal a lot with uh, very open relationships. You have polyamorous uh, relationships. You have uh, interspecies relationships. Uh, you know, there's one guy that's a, that's a merman guy and another person who's more human um, kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm totally fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. There is a really weird religious bent uh, this year in the, sh- in the show that I'm, I'm not super keen on and it's not, it feels like they're pushing a religious agenda, even though they're not uh, pushing one particular agenda. So there's this whole thing with um, Zatara and he's pushing uh, you know, how his Catholic faith is very important to him and, and, uh, all of these things. And then you've got, um, there's another character who is wanting to know about, uh, being a Muslim. And so there's a whole, like 10 minutes of the show just devoted to what is Muslim? Uh, what is, what is, what is it to be a Muslim? And then, uh, there's another religion. There's a couple of other religions that they kind of push hard in the show that I'm just like, wow, that's really weird that they're just pushing all these religions uh, in the show. And, and so that always takes me out of it, uh, for various reasons, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty good season, especially when they're doing this thing with the phantom, uh, the phantom school bus is really a neat thread that ties through the whole, the whole ser- series. So if you haven't checked it out, Scott, definitely go check it out. If you I haven't seen any of it. Justice up to this point, I watched all of it, but I didn't, I haven't seen any of this new stuff. So yeah, it, again, it's going to jump you forward many, many years and there's going to be stuff like, Oh, this happened and this happened. I don't remember seeing anything like that. Yeah. That's kind of the point. They jump you ahead and just say, Hey, remember when so-and-so um, joined the team or left the team or whatever. And it's just like, you're just expected to just drop right in and know what's going on, which kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. So, well, they to, back to this live action thing. Um, if Charlize Theron, AKA Furios is in charge, I think we all let her do what she wants. <laughs> Make it yep. Happen. Yep. Very exciting. Uh, you want to hear about, how about ghosts? Uh, okay. How do you feel about you like ghosts? Yeah, sure. Spooky. Uh, a new live action Casper, the oh. friendly ghost, is in development. Oh, Peacock. Yep, that's right. Now you can get Peacock uh, regular or Peacock Plus. I call uh, regular free cock. Anyway, moving on. Uh, according to Variety, the series is described as a horror slash adventure show that reimagines Casper in a coming of age story that explores what it means to be alive. Casper finds himself entangled in a mystery, uh, uncovering dark secrets that have been buried in the small town of eternal fall for over 100 years. I don't know how Man, to feel I about this. Wait for the Sabrina crossover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to feel about it either. I'm actually a little bit torn because Casper's fine. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Casper has ever really had a lot of like heavy duty, continuity or or backstory or so i mean conceptually saying hey this is casper and this is a story of a ghost who now has to figure out the afterlife blah Mm. i'm sort of fine with that but i'm also worried because when you say casper i think goofy harvey comics fun and even that movie was you know goofy kid fun even with the you know the fart jokes and things and i feel like this is going to be like pg-13 craziness and i feel like it's just they're gonna turn casper into riverdale river casper 
Yes, I can't. Are. I heard today Riverdale's doing time travel next season, and I I can't do that. Oh man, I if mean, they're doing Jughead's Time Police, oh that'd be yes. kind of awesome if they did that. Yeah, I don't know, but if. But there was a there was a whole thing uh, in Archie Comics called Jughead's Time Police, where Jughead is a time yeah. traveler. Um, well, I know uh, they did they did the Black Hood, uh, which is yeah. one of the old school MLJ superhero characters, and they no, did some. They they actually did a story where Archie was murdered, and they spent like six episodes dealing with it. And they're like, oh, alternate universe. Do, do, and do, didn't do. they did they do a Sabrina crossover? Um, Yes, in the middle but, of that Rivervale crossover. But did with, they didn't uh, bring in uh, Kieran Shipka, did they, or did they? Yeah. Oh, they did? Kieran okay. Shipka came in, and she played Sabrina. Oh, well, now I may have to go track that down. No. Now, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. No. Uh, literally, the actor who plays Jughead was like, yeah, we're pretty much done with this mess. We're yeah. still all under contract. Just let us go. I don't yeah. know. It's, it still gets big ratings. Oh, no, it's got lots of people watching that thing. I I was like considering Kim's like, we should watch that show again because we fell off. I said, oh, that sounds all right. And then somebody literally says, oh, they're totally doing time travel next season. And then I went, I don't know if I want to watch that. I already kind of hate it. I mean, it's just my thing. Uh, And I and I don't know if time travel will help me make it my thing. They did. They do a lot of references to the original uh, Archie stuff, like one of the Halloweens. They dressed up as the, the super Archie characters. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. Yeah. So nice. I think it's just because it's so um I know that's the point, but it's such drama for drama's sake. And well, not- it is, yeah. I know I mean, when, you, when you do a sequence where Betty Cooper is secretly into S and M and has a split personality, <laughs> that's a, a giant whip cracking sex kitten. I'm just like, really? Yeah, I know that's Betty Cooper out of character for the books. I just don't I yeah. So get- see, but that's, that's the thing, right? So Archie comics is supposed to be, you know, fun, fun kid humor stuff. And that's, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But if you're going to try to create something that is fun for teenagers, which is really CW's primary demographic, you can't do a uh, full house. You can't do uh, Archie meets uh, uh, Urkel. You can't do family matters and yeah. expect that to be a success. You've got to make it a little bit more hip than, than what they're getting. Now they're not going full on euphoria, uh, in the show. Um, yeah. but you know, uh, apparently I hear not only are the adults fond of euphoria, but, uh, so are the teenagers. So it sounds like the CW kind of hit on a, a sweet spot, uh, for that show. Yeah. I mean, obviously they were happy with it. They also wouldn't be doing yeah. as well as the yeah. rating. Really good. I just, I don't know what would get me back in, but maybe something time travel, uh, Jughead's time police. Maybe, or maybe I just need to see Casper and go, Oh <laughs> yeah, that's going to be on a different yeah. network. So yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno there, Scott. I mean, we got the Riverdale again after yeah. I made this. Yeah. We got a telepathic Jughead and, Oh, you know, is he telepathic? Invulnerable, yeah. Telepathic oh, Jughead, invulnerable Archie. And like Betty has like, Betty's doing some weird psychic, but Bambi thing where she can read your aura. But nice. I mean, eh. All right, dear listeners, should Scott watch Riverdale or not, head over to our uh, Discord server where you can talk about these stories and a whole lot more. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server absolutely free. There is a link in the show notes. Just click on that. It'll open up your Discord account and uh, you'll be greeted with uh, millions upon millions of uh, happy cat gifts. And then you can access the the Major Spoilers chat and uh, let us know what you think about these stories and a whole lot more. Or... If you would like to connect your Patreon account to your Discord server, you will unlock hidden channels exclusive to our patrons 
Patreon's patrons. You can find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right. We are into the review section of the show this week. And uh, let's see. When did. I'll just uh, Scott, why don't you you tell us about clear? It's a it's a comic that was out uh, digitally from Comixology yeah. a while ago, but it may now just be showing up in print. That's the way the, the Comixology originals work. They they have them in uh, in digital and then they Dark Horse, I think, is collecting them and putting them out uh, in single issues like six months. Correct. later. So, yeah, I believe I believe that is correct. Um, and you, you know, if you go to Amazon, you can get, I think it's three ninety nine. just buy the thing. Oh, if you've, uh, if you've got it, I see it's, it's free with your prime membership. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I just noticed that. I guess I can get that hardbound, at least the first issue. I don't know if the others are in here, but well, anyway, the comic is called clear. It is written by Scott Snyder, known mostly for his work over at DC on Batman and other projects. Uh, the artist here is Francis Manipal, I believe mm-hmm. is how you say his name. He's doing both art and color here. And um, it's great. I didn't have any expectation going in other than I, I generally like Scott Snyder's writing. Uh, for the most part, I really like uh, his work with Batman and his Capullo years and all that. I guess they still do stuff together, um, including another comicsology original. But anyway, this thing kind of blew me away. It's, um, it's a sci-fi mystery thriller type thing. It's set in a dystopian futuristic world. Uh, I, I would say, you know, Blade Runner-esque for those wondering if that's what we're talking about. And the conceit here is that, and they set it up really well, but the conceit here is that in the future, internet technology has led to something called veils. And there's a lot of connective tissue between now and then, but the idea is these veils are things that people make part of their brains. And you get to see in the world whatever you want the world to be. So if you decide that you want the world to look like a big lush forest, that's what it looks like to you. If you want everything in front of you to look like a horrible hellscape full of zombies and vampires, it it can be that for you. Um, And everything in between, just imagine any kind of motif you want, you can make it happen with these, with these veils. And there's a whole underground of black market veils. Um, In fact, they call them black veils, which sounds a lot like black males, Um, which there's, you know, there's a play on words there, but also there's kind of a play on a story on that as well. But anyway, there's this, you know, international trade of these things. They're very dangerous. Some of them are, you know, the way the comic puts them out there, it's a bit like, uh, oh, Robocop 2 had that fake drug called Nuke. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You know Uh-oh. what I mean? Uh, what was the one, the turn of the century, Catherine Bigelow movie, uh, Strange Days? They had the little oh, yeah. plug yeah, yeah. into your head or whatever. Uh-huh. It's a little like that. These little microchips and they have these these different veils in them. And it's because it's becoming become so ubiquitous and everybody everywhere has got veils. Uh, it represents 70 percent or something of the in, entire United States uh, economy. And uh, there's wars in the south. There's wars in the east of the U.S. The U.S. is a total mess. The rest of the world doing better than we are. And they go into some of why that happened. There was a big war with China as part of the backstory. Anyway, it's all very noir. And the guy you follow is this character, um, Sam. Oh, I already forgot his life. Oh, how could I forget? Sam Dunes, like plural Dune, but Dunes. Uh-huh. And Sam is basically like a PI. So it's very kind of, well, Dame walked into my office that night. So oh, yeah, like, yeah. They're kind of going for that vibe. Um, a little bit more, you know, they're taking it a little more seriously. They're not just being parody of that, but he's constantly running down these deals. Like why, why are, why is this corner such a hot spot for illegal veils and who's selling them and why? And, uh, 
and uh, one of these deals goes really wrong and he gets involved with just just the right right slash wrong people and that's where things really kick off um, and I'm I've almost done with the second issue or no I finished the second issue I got third issue I just started and uh, I really like it if any of those themes sound like they're your jam anyone listening to this uh, you should check it out especially if you have comicsology there's no reason not to check it out and um, I, I I went from like oh I'll check it and see what's up to I'm gonna read this whole freaking thing and I hope there's more because it's just it's just right out of my playbook as far as stuff I like and things I like to read. Uh, so yeah, highly highly recommended thus far. I mean, maybe it peters out and doesn't stick at a landing. I don't I don't know because I'm not that far. But but clear uh, on Comicsology, very 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 cool. Ah, nice, very very cool indeed. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Matthew and I reviewed um, a uh, Mike Mignola piece that came out during COVID or that he created during COVID, uh, spinning out of his. Um, sketchbook collection radio mm-hmm. spaceman and now the new issue radio space spaceman number two is out this week from dark horse comics matthew radio spaceman part two of two mission to numa four which two times four is eight keeping with this week's math theme uh written by mike mignola the artist actually by greg hinkle uh no relation to professor hinkle who animated frosty the snowman back in 72 um but this issue picks up where last issue left off with Radio Spaceman about to be killed by frog people on planet Numa 4, while one of the people that he came to save, a scientist, is somehow being manipulated, mind-controlled, somehow being uh, turned crazy, evil, wackety-wackety, by a giant monster named Gargoom. Gargoom. Which is, I think, 80% of the word balloons in this issue. But in a good way, Um, Radio Spaceman, uh, you may remember, is literally a radio-controlled pseudo-android with a human skull. It's it's a gorgeous visual. But uh, he is actually controlled via radio waves from Earth by a very, very old man. So we start with the old man plugging himself into the equipment and then Radio Spaceman having his adventure. Um, After the... Uh, damsel I, it, she doesn't really fit the damsel role but after the character being menaced is saved we find out what Gargoom is and then we find out that Gargoom is not the only monster on this planet and that this planet has a particular prophecy there were three monsters once and that was one too many <laughs> and so if Gargoom is ever freed bad things happen. Um, I will not reveal those bad things. Just uh, suffice to say they are bad and they are terrible. And at the point where it seems like once again, uh, Professor Aja is going to be a damsel in distress. The villain is like, I will control your brain. Take my hand. Come to me. And her response is yawn. And then we find out her secret. And I'm not going to tell you that either. But I am super excited at the end of this issue. And I remember saying when Stephen and I reviewed issue one, I kind of hope that when I get to the end of issue two, I'm going to say this should have been one 64-page issue. It should have been a one-shot or you know, a, an album in the old-school Tintin style, something 
because I really felt like they were setting up a lot of cool things that didn't start to move last issue. And this issue comes out shooting and it's just pretty much all action from top to bottom. And the last panel gives me hope that we may see more of Radio Spaceman. We may see more of Dr. AZ. We may actually have some ongoing possibilities in this particular corner of Mignoli's universe. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. And I like the fact that I came back to revisit this book thinking, oh, well, did I give it a fair shot last time? And the answer is, yes, I did. But also, this issue makes the whole package even better. So, four slices of meatloaf for Radio Spaceman number two from Dark Horse Comics. Honestly, um, I'm not going to say wait for the trade because, you know, we don't do that. But if you do get a chance, you can actually purchase this issue. And I think also issue one, you can just hit the Amazon affiliate link at Major Spoilers. Go buy both issues, read them together, and go, hey, you know, Matthew is right. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the first issue. Yeah, I I, uh, really enjoyed the first issue. And said everybody should go and buy it uh, then. So it uh, sounds like I am right. So um, here's the thing. There are <laughs> links. There are links to every issue that we're talking about in the show notes. So if you want to just click on that, it'll take you right to the Amazon affiliate link. A little bit comes back our way. And what I mean a little bit, I'm like literally, literally talking pennies per issue. So uh, if you've got deep pockets and you want to go buy like 10,000 issues this month, man, I'd sure appreciate it. Tax, taxes, taxes come due uh, in, a, in next week, Scott. Oh, I hate tax day. It's the worst. Uh, I will just say that uh, this year was a lot better for major spoilers than I thought. Uh, too bad it oh, was not uh, a better year for uh, for my pocketbook. <sighs> well, that's the thing, right? You never yeah. quite know what's going to happen. I, I will say I forgot to add my meatloaf score. I was oh, forget yes. about that. Uh, uh, what's the high? What's the top five, out? Five is the five, five. is the top. All right, I'm going to give it four point one out of five meatloaves. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going. 4. I'm going 1. granular here. Yeah. Okay, granular. just a little bit of extra. Yeah. What's the binding in your meatloaf, Scott? Uh, oatmeal, oh, uh, breadcrumbs. Uh, oh gosh, cornflakes is what my Corn mom flakes. did. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's kind of a weird thing, but we liked it. No, I mean everybody's different. Uh, I know my grandmother was always like uh, putting an oatmeal in, in ours. So. Yeah, you got to look. If you're gonna, you got meat, you need to bind it. Yep. I say use what you got. That's fine. Matthew, what did your grandmother use? Oatmeal. Either oatmeal, oatmeal yeah. or soda crackers, depending on what was in the house. Did you ever use, anybody ever use like uh, um, uh, stale bread, like bread you left out for a couple of days so it'd get hard? That? No. I, okay. no we didn't have stale bread. We had four children in the house. So. <laughs> I know just be leading up to bread. Thanksgiving, it was always like my mom would pull out a loaf of bread and just set it on the counter for like the week or whatever to get really nice and stale so she could make the stuffing out of it. So I know I'm sorry. That's how I grew up. I know it's horrible. It's horrible, but there you go. Uh, okay. My turn, uh, this week from image comics and Steve Niles and Simon, uh, Kudransky, it's a town called terror. Number one. Uh, I don't know how to describe this series because so much of it is either, uh, nine or 12 page panels, uh, panels per page or these really big double page spreads. So it reads very, very quickly. The art by uh, Simon uh, Kadransky is really good. I really enjoyed it. There are times where it's a little difficult to make out exactly what's going on, but, uh, the story uh, starts out with two people getting it on. So if that's something that interests you, uh, they do get it on. Uh, but then, uh, 
somebody break a bunch of people break into the house and kidnap this guy and shoot the shoot the wife in the neck with a trank dart uh, dart and uh, haul this guy away. Uh, they're taking him to apparently a town called Terror. I don't know what the name of the town is, but um, uh, Terror. Apparently, his father is the uh, Henry West, our, our title character, main character, is uh, ran away from his father a long time ago because his father is really, really not a nice guy. In fact, um, he may die and come back to life a lot. That may tell you a little bit about the nature of this town and the horror that awaits within. And so really it's uh, Henry being brought back to this town in a spooky dimension and his wife waking up and there is no evidence that any kidnapping happened. The police don't believe her, anything like that. And that's really where the first issue ends. It's like, I got to the end and I, I I'll say that I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get more story in the first issue. Got a lot of pretty art, but the story was kind of just spun its wheels. I felt like I kind of wanted a little bit more from it. I think knowing Steve Niles, um, uh, he did uh, 30 days of night, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That is correct. Right. Yeah, I yeah, think so. I um, book. so if you're a fan of the 30 days of night, then you kind of know that there's a slow burn, uh, happening in, in this thing. And I have a feel feeling that that is what's going on here. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of digging on maybe waiting and seeing where this goes down the road, but the initial offering kind of left me kind of, kind of wanting more. And so I'm only going to give this three and a half slices of my mom's stale bread meatloaf, uh, this week. They're weird freaking meatloaf. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, yeah. Totally. Well, whatever works. So there you go. A town called terror. And, Same. uh, if anybody wants any more reviews, of course, point your browser to majorspoilers.com where we've got more reviews coming up, uh, every single day of the week. And a big thank you to Scott, not you, Scott Johnson, but to another Scott for becoming our newest patron at the yearly tier. Yes, we do have yearly tiers at the yearly tier. You can pay for a full year, get a little discount and enjoy all the cool stuff for an entire year. It's just like set it and forget it. So we could really use right now. You heard me talking about taxes. We could use a few more people to become patrons just like Scott. Perhaps it's you. You can find out more and keep the show going by pointing your browser to patreon.com slash major spoilers. We literally couldn't do this without you. And also you too, Scott Johnson. We couldn't do it without you being here this week. Oh, thank you, man. (laughs) I love being here. Look, I don't have enough nerds in my life. Post liar, liar. I look not comic nerds, not nearly enough comic nerds or even nerds that are willing to tell me why, you know, which, which seasons of, uh, uh, this, some old nineties crappy action TV show I should watch. I didn't want to say the name cause I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but look, Oh, you should definitely watch Friday the 13th, the movie and <laughs> oh, then the TV that? series <laughs> episodes one through seven and skip eight. What was the, what was the, uh, what was the one where they had to go hunt, hunt down the, uh, haunted artifacts? Yeah, that was Friday. The 13th. Oh, was that Friday? Uh, the 13th? They also, they also did a similar premise with Warehouse 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that one. But, man, I liked the Friday the 13th, the TV series. That was kind of fun. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot that was a thing until you mentioned it. Now yeah. I remember liking it. There one of the artifacts place. was the belt of Jacob Kurtzberg, which turned you into a superhero, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch the Amazing Stories on Apple Plus? Uh, no. They, how was no. that? It was okay. Probably the best one is the one uh, where the guy has a ring that turns that gives him superpowers, turns him into a superhero. 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. also the it's also the episode that the guy died before the show was released. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like the posthumous kind of. He did a great Here. job. We should have given him an award. He's really good, but uh, it's just kind of there. I was kind of wanting something more. So, gotcha. Anyway, anyway, uh, Scott, what do you got against manga? Uh, manga and I are not the best of friends. How okay. Come? Two reasons. Um, every time I've tried to read one and I go, look, I understand this could be totally a me thing. So I want to put that out there first. Uh, I find the stories ridiculous and hard to take serious. Mm, mm-hmm. Number one, even when they're translated well, you know, localization matters and all that. Um, and I don't know Japanese, so I can't read any of this stuff in its, in its raw form. The other thing is it really, really does throw me reading right to left. Like it's very frustrating to me. And I oh, kind of, yeah, no, I understand. I wish those books were flipped the other way. And sometimes I know there's some that are published that way. So that some have know. done that in the past, like dark horse, when they did their Akira adaptation, they yeah. flipped everything. And that caused yeah. some consternation with people. Because oh yeah. People were upset about it. Yeah. I think they, they flipped the kanji in the, um, in like some of the signs in the background. And so it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that was weird. Um, well, I also, I, I get, I think it's weird, but also I think it's more approachable to, for what people are used to. So I don't think there's any problem with, you know, like nobody's complaining that our American magazines are reading from left to right, but nobody complains that in Japan that when you read a magazine, you do it the opposite way. I think it's okay to keep those where they're at. That's where the culture's yeah. the direction. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's just hard for me and it, and it's constantly reminding me, Oh, right. I'm, I'm reading this way and I'll read, I'll read panels out of the, out of order and stuff. Yeah. So in relation to your first issue, I agree with you completely. That does still trip me up uh, at times that I have to read it backwards. And there are times where I'll catch myself even in the middle of a, of a book where I'm starting to read left to right. I'm like, Oh no, 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 you got to read this the other way. Um, but I found, I find that if you, I don't want to say focus, but I, I find that if you get into the story that's being told, like um, the bat, uh, Japanese Batman, what was that one called? Matthew Batmanga. Um, uh, that's that's what it was called when it was released. Yeah, yeah, yeah Batmanga. <laughs> if you read if you read through that, it's pretty quickly you figure out. Oh, I'm just in this pattern, and you get into it, and then it's almost like second nature. And I've read a couple of really big volumes of of uh, manga stuff that. I get into it and then it's just like second nature kind of stuff. So maybe just more exposure to that will, will help you out. But I will say that I think you're yeah. right. If I, if I read more manga, this would not probably be an issue. I would, I would say don't go and read manga and then flip right to an American comic and then back to manga. Cause you will get messed up that way. Yeah, that's true. Now um, what's, what's your second issue with manga? My bigger, my, my second bigger, bigger issue is that the stories are goofy. Oh, um, crazy over the top. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just don't. Okay. So this is a, the one we're talking about today, One Punch Man, I've seen the anime mm-hmm. and loved it. I thought it was great. Like, huge fan. No yeah. no complaints, issues, or anything. And I'm not even that big of an anime guy, but I really quite liked One Punch Man, and I'm excited to see that other new one. I forgot the name of it. My daughter wants me to watch it that he made. Anyway. Oh, that uh, one made? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, the name of the, of the thing, though. It was also a, a manga, of course, and I can't remember. Anyway, so, uh it's just in the could front of my be brain. Anything. Yeah, it could be anything really. But um Yeah. This, this I had a really hard time. I mean, I read it, but I was not I did not enjoy it like I enjoy the anime. Why? Why do you think? Know. And because I, I have I have a re- I had a real problem with this with this book. Kind of the same way. Last week we did Demon Slayer, mm-hmm. uh also manga, and I had some issues with this. This one when I read through One Punch Man, this kind of sent me over the top with my problems with, um, adaptations. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I too, like you, Scott, uh, saw One Punch Man before I read the comic because uh, my kids, my boys, uh, are just all into that into that stuff. They watch anime all the time. They watch anime that I'm like, are you sure you should be watching this? Because this is pretty adult and grotesque. And my wife is just sitting there watching it with them, and it's just like, okay. Um, so I had already seen One Punch Man. Yeah. And yes, yeah. the stories are over the top. And I think that honestly, I think the character's dumb. I think the, the adventures are stupid, silly. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of that kind of stuff. Uh, until yeah. you get to his, I want to be a hero and why I want to be a hero story. Yeah. Where that, I have, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, sorry. I thought, I thought Matthew was saying something. Um, I was going to say that it's, it's not that they're not endearing moments. It's not that this there isn't some meat here because obviously there is. It's a hugely popular property, and I love that it came from web comics. There's another aspect to this. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know it was a web comic before it became anything else. Huge, hugely successful for one, which is clearly not his real name, but whatever. Um, I, you know, for some reason the goofiness doesn't work on page the way it does. Yeah, animated, and I think it's because I'm getting big, sweeping Japanese treatment of animation to these scenes that seem silly to me when they're when they're static, mm-hmm. but when they're moving, I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, this is a little bit like the reverse problem I have with. Well, it's kind of the same problem. I can't read Simpson comics or Futurama comics yep. or Rick and Morty comics for the same reason. I feel like I'm going from the wrong medium to the wrong medium, mm-hmm. and. I understand for a lot of people, this is the medium that starts with and then the, the anime. But for me, I, it's, it's never the route I'm taking. So it, you know, I, just, I, I can totally fun. see where you're coming from in that, because that is a, a problem in any comic book where you are trying to show motion, fluid motion in a still form, unless you've got the form and the pose down, right. It, it looks weird. And in this case, I think it's compounded not only with you having to read right to left, but also, and I mentioned this last week, sometimes there are big panels where you're punching a monster and we're reading this digitally thanks to Viz Media, um, yeah. where you've got like the page, three quarters of it, not a, not, it's a, not a double page, but like it's a page and, and, and three quarters, that's a single panel and it's split in two on the digital reader. And so you're missing out, uh, you know, uh, here's one punch man swinging at the giant, you know, 200 mile tall monster and then you're like, what's he swinging at? He's obviously punching something. And then you go to the next page uh, digitally. Now I realize if you're reading it uh, physical form, you'd, you'd see this. And then you sure. flip to the next page and you see it's, oh, that guy's eyeballs flying out of his head. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's kind of an issue with this as well. Actually, um, I just love the idea of a guy who's bored with it yeah. because one punch is all it needs to do anything. And I, right. it's genius from its get go. I just don't know if I like it on the page. That's all. Yeah. Matthew, what are your and that's thoughts also, on this? That's my biggest problem with it. I feel that um, a few years ago, uh, during the Civil War, there was a whole big moment where Spider-Man unmasked. Oh, for a minute, I and, thought you meant like the American Civil War. It's like a few years oh, ago. No, yes, during the Civil War, yeah. <laughs> In the comics, even. I'm sorry, Marvel Comics Civil War. Oh, there you go. Oh, where Spider-Man unmasked. And uh, I remember a... a interview with Joe Quesada, who said, yeah, this opens up a whole bunch of storytelling options that have never been told. And while that's true, it's a very limited alley of things that have never been told. And it took them about a year and a half before they went, oh, we've exhausted this and we're just going to 
undo this magical mystery, whoop, whoop, whoop. And I feel like my biggest problem with One Punch Man is like that idea of, hey, Peter Parker is now unmasked. This is an inherently limiting concept because yeah. a lot of times in comics, you know, it, traditionally, especially in manga like this, the big giant fight sequence is kind of the meat of what you're getting. And, you know, a lot of these books, that big giant fight sequence, you know, be it drawn by, you know, Ishinomura or be it drawn by Frank Miller or somebody, you know, better than Frank Miller, you have those moments and those really feel like they are in some ways the best part of the story. Traditionally, yeah, when I no, read yeah. these kind of media, you know, that fight when you get to the end, it's like, no, I shall bring up the last ergs of my all for one power and I will smash you with the last section and it will be this, you know, and with Saitama, it's, oh, it's superhuman strength is really boring. Well, and, and that is a hard concept to tie into a story about punching things really hard with superhuman. Strength. And that's the question that I asked my kids. I, you know, unlike uh, Scott's kids who are more than happy to be part of everything that he does, my kids want mm -hmm. nothing to do with uh, my stuff. <laughs> Uh, I have to drag the oldest down here to get him to record the copyright each year. But, um, you know, I asked these, these kids this whenever I watch one punch man, I was like, so he's got one punch. I mean, can he get beat up by other people? And they're like, no, not really. Cause you know, he's kind of invulnerable. And I'm like, so where's the, you know, where's the threat? Where's the danger? Where's the, and they're like, that's not the point. The fighting yeah. isn't the point of this. It's just how silly and ridiculous all this stuff is in this world. And I was like, huh? Okay. Well, I guess I can get with it because I mean, here you've got, uh, evacuate city Z or city Z has been destroyed onward to city B. And it's like, they don't even, you know, they're just, you know, even having fun with kind of this weird future city naming thing that goes on in right. this show. So I don't think, I think it's just the, the, it's supposed to be funny mm -hmm. just because here's a guy with one punch and he's bored because he can punch everybody and he has no aspirations. He has no aspirations. And I think that's mm -hmm. where the joke is. But then yeah. again, yeah, I'm a Gen Xer, so who knows? <laughs> it's a, it's a deconstruction to some level, but it's also uh, the danger with any type of deconstruction is have you taken out a load bearing wall? And I feel like having the main character's super strength be something that bores him really hedges almost too close to one of the biggest complaints in American comics: Superman's too powerful. That makes him boring because Superman's too powerful. <laughs> And I feel like, sorry, I, I'm actually <laughs> quoting a specific person there, but I feel like taking this and making it the center of the story is a really, really difficult balancing act. And uh, while on the one hand, I, I really appreciate that they seem to do it throughout this whole volume, I feel like they really do pull off that expectation. It does feel a lot more parody Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think it's supposed I to be taken seriously. Expected. Yeah, I don't think well, it's supposed I mean, to be taken seriously. You can't take anything seriously anymore. You know, it's the year twenty. Well, I mean, here you have this guy that's an android. Obviously, feels like a riff on a Robot Boy, right? Or Astro, Astro Boy, Boy. Sorry, yeah, feels like a riff on Astro Boy. And uh, you know, he's just begging to be the you know the trainee for for One Punch Man, and it just feels like oh, they're just lifting all these tropes that we know about mm -hmm. superheroes, whether it be from, you know, Japanese manga or whether it be from us comics or European comics or wherever it may be. And just saying none of this matters. Let's just make this dumb just to be silly, dumb. And I can understand that. I mean, uh, bazooka Joe comics are the dumbest thing in the world, but 
you enjoy reading Bazooka Joe comics because you know in about five seconds that gum's going to tear up the inside of your mouth. So you have this one little joyous thing. And I I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give One Punch Man a pass on on all of those complaint issues because I think it's just supposed to be dumb fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it is. And that's, I think, why I, I don't like comics that are dumb fun, but I yeah, sure like I sure like animation that is. And yeah. I would give, like, if I was to compare the two, and we're still throwing meatloaf around. I give a whole bunch of meatloaf to the anime and like leftovers to the comic. It just and here's <laughs> my big complaint. My mm. biggest complaint about all of this. So I said at the beginning of the show when we were talking about Lock and Key how I wanted a more uh, closer to the source material adaptation of Lock and Key in that live action form. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with slight changes here and there. If they would have kept it hard R and just kept everything that they had in there, this would have that would have been a great show. When you look at the anime, knowing that it went webcomic, uh, you know, Shonen Jump or wherever it appeared next, and then into an anime, mm-hmm. I hate the direct adaptation because mm-hmm. I haven't seen all of One Punch Man. I've probably seen like four or five uh, episodes, bits, whatever it is. Yeah, and it it angered me when I sat down to read one punch man and say, I've seen all this before. And Mm. not only that, they do a lot of the same stuff that is shot for shot frame for frame in the anime from the comic book. And it's the same lines, the everything. And I'm just like, it irritates the crap out of me. That was my complaint last week with, um, uh, demon slayer was that we read the first volume and I was like, okay, let me see how close this is to the anime. And it was like a shot for shot remake of the comic of the, of the manga. And it just, irritated the crap out of me um interesting yeah, yeah and it's, it's very, i know that there's very shot for shot that, that i don't is that a tradition with anime and manga adaptation? no i i don't think so because again you go and look at akira that is not uh, you look at the movie and then you look at the yeah. uh, at the comic those are two totally different things you go and you watch um uh, battle royale and you read the manga battle royale which i wouldn't suggest you do that scott it'll give you nightmares um, but those two things are totally opposite uh, from one another. They still got the same mm-hmm. themes, the same ideas, but the comic goes in one direction and the other, and the anime goes in the other, uh, same way with full metal alchemist. Now there's a reason behind that same way with cowboy bebop. Um, you know, the, the comics and the, and the, and the anime are totally different and I'm o- totally okay with that. But when I get down to, we're just going to do a remake of what you read in the comic. I'm, it just kind of bores me. Cause it's just like, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chad color <laughs> and, and apparently and motion and because color. and apparently in motion because that's what Scott wants is is more motion in this so yeah I, I, I understand now, now yeah. listen I understand the reason why you want to make uh, an adaptation of something whether it be Harry Potter or whether it be uh, uh I don't know what's another adaptation whether it be uh, the uh, new upcoming uh, Percy Percy what's his name and the lightning of the Olympus people uh, new upcoming from 2005 Got no it, I'm with you they are no no no, no, no they're making a TV series. Off yeah, the Percy the, Jackson yeah. stuff, starring that kid from the um, from the time travel uh, Ryan Reynolds movie uh, not too yeah. long ago, yeah. which I praised, him. I praised him up and down. So he's going to be the new Percy Jackson. So oh, the thing be, is, you know, I, I think a series treatment actually is that, that those books are beloved by the fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I understand yeah. wanting to see your favorite stuff adapted into the screen. And yes, I understand when everybody went and saw. Uh, the fellowship of the rings, how it's like, it's pretty close to the book, but not quite there. So true hardcore fans are probably a little disappointed, but then again, there were more people in the theater who had never read Tolkien than actually read Tolkien and and knew what the changes and the differences were. So I understand the idea to adapt something 
so that it appeals to the mass audience. I don't have a problem with that. Otherwise, why would I enjoy going to see superhero movies? Um, right. But the problem well, that I have is if it is a shot for shot remake of everything that's in a book. Wow. That's really boring because now if you say, oh, you know, someone's like, oh, you like the one punch man. Oh, yeah, it's based on a manga. Should I read it? I can't say go read it because you've already seen it on on the screen. Whereas somebody goes and says, did you like uh, Fellowship of the Rings? Yeah, there are some changes from the book. Oh, there's a book based on this. Yes, you should really read it. It, it really explores things a lot more. That adds a whole other layer of information to the material. Like if you ever go and read the um, the novelization of the Back to the Future movie, mm-hmm. which I used to do that a lot in the 80s because that was the only way that I could re- rewatch a movie. Um, right. There are very significant additions in the book that are not in the movie. Uh, like how did Marty get out of uh, detention to, to make it to the Battle of the Bands tryout where Huey Lewis shot him down? Uh, it's all in there in the book. Uh, it goes into other thoughts and, and reflections that maybe you can parse from the movie, but it's not there. But it, by reading it in the book, adds something to it. If you've watched the anime and you're going to go read One Punch Man, the book adds nothing new to the One Punch Man experience. And 100% that's, that. and that's yeah. where I get so frustrated with a direct adaptation. Yeah, I would have been better. I, you're, I think you're onto something. I think if the book had taken us to deeper, maybe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then great. Otherwise, it was just a retelling. Uh, as best as I remember, it has been a while, but I, you know, that's that's what it felt like. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm dealing with all the distractions of, wait, am I, what page am I on? Oh, shoot. I'm looking <laughs> like, there's that whole thing. So to me, it just kind of compounded the problem and made me wish that I, you know, understood why manga, manga is so popular. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I mean, hopefully this doesn't uh, deter you from reading more manga in the future, Scott. Yeah, we'll see. And I'll keep calling it manga accidentally. That's fine. I'm sure everybody will. Uh, Matthew, what are your thoughts on my whole, I, I want an adaptation, but I don't want a direct adaptation kind of thing. Um, I feel like it's problematic on one level in that, honestly, if you're going to do an adaptation, I feel like you want to try and hew as close as possible because as we said with the lock and key stuff, the changes that they made were kind of counter to the original material. But I also do understand why you say, you know, I don't necessarily want to see this and then read it and then see it again. But I feel like some of our favorite moments in, you know, the movies of the last few years have been directly lifted from the comics. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at, I feel like, look at Watchmen. People, people either love the movie or comic, terrible movie. Yeah, and but the thing is, they tried to skew as close to the book as they could, and they even used some stuff that was directly lifted from the comic book in in the shooting of the movie. Um, they visually it, tried to stay close. Yeah, they changed yeah, yeah. everything else. Yeah, yeah. See, that's... And, and dumbed it all down and really ruined a lot of characters. But yeah, I'm with you there. No, but that's what I'm saying, is it's enough difference to where you could turn to Scott after he watched that movie and was like, that's a good movie, and I could say, Scott... Really, yeah. go and read the comic book. Are we and talking that, about Watchmen? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Laurie's I, an actual character in the comic. <laughs> I love, I, I read Watchmen at least once a year. It's one of my favorite comics of all time. I was right. okay with the movie. It's just kind of, yeah, yeah. no, I'm I, I wasn't yeah. mad. I wasn't put off on it, but I was glad the book existed. So I had that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, if you didn't have the, if you didn't have the movie, you wouldn't have gotten the HBO series that right. I think is the superior uh, over oh, the movie. 
And yeah, then it was I think it is a great thing you're asking for because it, it gave you so much extra, so yeah. much more. You, didn't, you already, yeah. Yeah. you know that comic front to back. You don't need a retelling of that. So they gave us something totally different. Yeah. I loved it. And, but then you look at something uh, like the adaptation of, um, uh, what is it? The Silver Age from DC Comics. What's that one from, um, uh, what's his face? Um, Darwin Cook. Dar- Darwin Cook. Is it called Silver Age? I keep forgetting what the title is. Uh, uh, the something. New Frontier. New Frontier. There you go. So the New Frontier, the animated movie, does a really good job of adapting the comic book series without including everything in the comic book series and still giving you the meat of of the story. You get greater satisfaction if you watch the animated movie and then go and read the comic. Yes. You're going to say, Oh, I know what this beat is. I know what monster Island is. Oh, I know what's going on here. But then you get to say, Oh, look at all this other stuff that's in the comic that didn't make it to the movie. Therefore it adds to it. Unfortunately, one punch man, demon slayer don't do that. Yeah. And so I, for me, bottom line is listen, if you've never seen the one punch man anime, go and watch the one punch man anime. Um, recommend it. Yeah. The, the manga, it's fine. It's okay. Um, there's nothing really in there. I mean, it, I don't know how long it took you, Scott, but this is like uh, 170 some pages. It took me less than a half hour to read this super short. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, but if you've seen the anime, there's no reason to read the manga. That's going to be my bottom line. So overall, I'm going to say my bottom line for this is it's fine. But I'm going to give it a pass. I have zero desire to read any more One Punch Man. So, Matthew, what are your what are your final thoughts on One Punch Man Volume One? I'm kind of the same way for a different reason. I feel like if you have a story, and that the the main hook of that story kind of undermines one of the you know the supporting pylons of a comic book story it's going to be really tough to sell. And even though I feel like they do well, you know, this story does work on it. I also feel like comparatively, I liked the anime uh, much like Scott, but I also kind of felt there that having this whole thing of, you know, one punch will end the fight kind of undermines a lot of the things that are enjoyable. Whereas if you've ever played the video game, I love the video game because you play Moomin Rider trying to last long enough for Saitama to show up and make his one punch. Mm. So the one punch man video game isn't actually about him at all. <laughs> if you that's want the kind of thing that I really enjoy. So okay. I, if, I'm like, if you want to have more fun with one punch man beyond the video game, go and watch this guy who created fan films on one punch man on YouTube, these live action mm. one punch man videos. They're fantastic. Yeah. So go and do that. So <laughs> I may uh, have to do that. Yeah. Scott bottom line on one punch man from you. Uh, give it a, uh, so we I do, uh, you go out, buy it, buy it, buy it, uh, uh, rush right out, rush right frenzy. out in a buying frenzy. Yes. Borrow it's, it from look, the library or sure. skip it. Um, if you're a giant fan of one punch man, you've seen the anime and you're like, man, I love this. And you need everything you can ever get about it. Go the library. You don't need to run out and buy it. Just read it. So you can then say you read it. Like, I'm glad I read it. Cause now I can say, Oh, okay. I get it. I see where the source is. And, I have some, I have some additional appreciation for some of the art and stuff like that, but I didn't need, I would not rush out and buy this. So yeah, library. Okay. Or yeah. from a friend, something like that. I am pasting the one punch man uh, stuff in the, in the chat for you guys to go and check out. 
the live action stuff. It's really good. You can just go, mm-hmm. just do a one punch man live action on YouTube. You guys will find it. So there you cool. go, Scott. Thank you so much for hanging out with us again this month. Uh, where can people find more of, of your stuff and what else are you doing that, that people are going to be interested in? Well, it's, uh, of course, all over there at frogpants.com slash podcasts. Uh, you'll find it real easy if you just go to frogpants.com and there's a ton of shows. So if you're into video games, two or three of those are going to be the right show for you, uh, including a retro show that we're doing right now. I just finished recording today, which is so much fun to go back to the games of our childhood and beyond and uh, bring them to a new audience. Uh, so go check all of that stuff out, frogpants.com. If you are uh, looking for my artwork or any of the comics I do, also frogpants.com. And if you're trying to poke me in on social media, why, it'd be Twitter I would try. Uh, Scott Johnson over there. Yeah, and Scott's going to be back uh, in May. We're going to be looking at Mon- Monstrous from uh, Image Comics. I think that also has some uh, Asian influence on that. I cannot wait uh, for that. In the meantime, that's where we're going to wrap up this installment of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for listening. Currently, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. So thank you so much to those of you who back our show. If you want to help support us, if you want to join that group of supporters, you can go to patreon.com forward slash major spoilers. You can sign up for a silver level membership today, or you can also help support a little bit here and there by using the affiliate links that you find at majorspoilers.com. We are going to be back next week because, oh, Rand is back. Ukla the Mock is back. We're going to be talking about the Avengers, the Korvok saga. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. It's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah Major Spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.